listening to the Novel Universe Podcast, a monthly YALA podcast hosted by Dawn Abron and Elise Martinez, YA librarians from the Chicagoland area. Each episode features reviews and rants on new and upcoming YA books. We're here to help you navigate your TBR pile. What's good, what's bad, and everything in between. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Elise, the rejecter of romance. So turn up the volume. Here we go. the novel universe with your host Dawn the criticizer of books and today I will be counting down my top 19 best YA slash NA fantasy and sci-fi books of the decade. Um, this is going to be a long podcast. I apologize ahead of time because there are so many on the list and I have so many things to say about them but these books made the list particularly because of the world. I, there are reasons why I choose particular books, and I have said this in other podcasts. So in addition to those two or three, the world is important. For me to enjoy a book, it needs to be nuanced, easy to follow. Uh, the mythology needs to be interesting. The rules need to be clear and all of the above, basically. And so all of these books included all of those things. In addition, they were all four and a half to five stars. I also tend to like Weird YA. Weird YA, and I explained this in my last podcast, Weird YA is YA that is set in current times, but, and this tends, this will fall under the science fiction books, not the fantasy books, but they are happening now, so they're contemporary books, but they have a paranormal science fiction slant. As far as fantasy is concerned, I tend to gravitate towards high fantasy, which is fantasy that is set in a fictional place, and they usually have different rules than you know we are used to in our real modern lives. It usually includes magic. Um, sometimes there's a queen, a king, princess, what have you. So those are the books that I tend to go toward, and those are the books that are on my list. All right, so without further ado, let's get started. Number 19 is Landscape with the Invisible Hand by M.T. Anderson. This was published in 2017. This book has got a horrible cover. It is very thin. It's about 250 pages. No one's reading it or has read it. Um, it is M.T. Anderson, and if you are familiar with M.T. Anderson, his books are quite critical, so you're not going to get some some fancy Hunger Games world. It's going to be, not the Hunger Games isn't critical because it is, but it's not, it's different. It's going to be different than what you're used to in your um, dystopian book. And this is a dystopian story. And, and in this story, aliens have invaded, um, they've invaded America in the not so distant future. I think the country, I think the world, actually not America, I think the world. And the 1% lives up in the sky with the aliens and all their fancy stuff, while the other 99% are on Earth. They're poor, they're hungry, they have no jobs. And our main character lives with his mother who has no job. His father abandoned him and his two siblings. And he is suffering from a bowel disease that causes him to lose his bowels and have really bad gas. And he's trying to get a cure for it. So in order to make money, the, the aliens are called the Vuv. In order to make money, the aliens like look at the humans on the ground as like entertainment. And so people can basically sell their lives as a reality TV show. The Vuv have a, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they follow them around with video cameras or something. Or maybe you can get a camera crew. I'm not sure. But the main character and uh, his friend, she's a girl. To get some money, they decide to put their lives on TV as a reality show and have this fake relationship. But things go awry and stuff happens. I like this book a lot because it's 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 inspirational. It's the, the main character and his mother are so positive all the time in this incredibly bleak, depressing world. Like this book was so depressing. And my personal reading motto is Life is too short for a sad story. I don't re like reading sad stories. I don't like watching sad TV or movies. I just don't. So I tend to not read them, but I actually did with this book. But 
the main character, he's just so positive. He's such a survivor. It was just such a great story. So if you're looking for a short, it's only like 250 pages. If you're looking for a short sci-fi, quick critical read, Lifescape, Landscape with Invisible Hand by M.T. Anderson. Number 18 is The Infernal Devices by Cassandra Clare. I just became a librarian around this time when this book was published and uh, City of Glass was like all the rage. Like Everybody was talking about City of Glass and I suffer from FOMO, the fear of missing out. So if a book is hopping and everybody is reading it, Dawn is going to read it too. But I didn't want to start with City of Glass. I wanted to start with the prequel. So I read Infernal Devices first, which I freaking loved. I This series is so good. And then I went on to read Throne of Glass, or not Throne of Glass, oh my God, City of Glass or City of Bones, my bad. City of Bones, and it was it was atrocious. It was full of tropes, love triangles, and freaking vampires, and she's in love with her brother, and then he's not her brother. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, no, 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 no. I can't with this, with the rest of this series. But I really enjoyed Infernal Devices. So if you're not into the tropey shit, then I would recommend Infernal Devices. And I would also recommend you listen to it on audiobook because the actor who voices Will Herondale is sexy AF. And I know that contributed to my enjoyment of it because I love Will Herondale. But whoo, yeah, I recommend listening to it on audiobook. All right, number 17 is Daughter of Smoke and Bone by Lainey Taylor. Now, technically, I did not finish this series. I did not read book three. I saw the length of that book and I was like, ooh, 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 I can't, I can't read this right now. I can't fit this into my life right now. And I heard from other people that you don't really need to. It's really long and pointless. So, and I, I'm shocked that I actually put this on my list because I have not read the third book and don't have any plans on reading it. But because book one was so good, this was published in 2011. I don't know if I said it. Because this was so good, I had to put it on my list. Um, everybody knows what Daughter of Smoke and Bone is about. It's about a girl. She, her name is Carew. She lives in a, um, I want to say a Russian type town, country <laughs> type town, a Russian type country. And she, if I recall, she is a, a teeth, she collects teeth for her foster parents who are chimeras. And what really got me about the book is the writing. I'm... I'm reading it and I'm getting bored by it because I'm bored by the madrigal white wolf part of it. And I'm just like, I don't know what this is. I don't care what is happening. And then it opens itself up to reveal something important. And I was like, okay, here we go. And it was a great story. It was, it was a beautiful story. Book two was good. Lady Taylor does this thing that kind of bothers me is that she's overly descriptive. Like she will go on and on and on about a freaking flower. And I'm like, girlfriend, I don't need to know every detail about this flower. And it tends to make her books a little too long. That's my only issue with Lady Taylor's writing. So yeah, I'm not going to finish the series, but Daughter of Smoke and Bone is a great first book. Number 16 is Grasshopper Jungle by Andrew Smith. So I forgot to say that Landscape with Invisible Hand, I would consider weird YA. And I would consider Grasshopper Jungle Weird YA. And that was published in 2014. So, well, actually, I would say is that the definition of Weird YA is Grasshopper Jungle. We have two boys who are living, I believe, in Ohio. One of them is gay. I don't think he's closeted. I think he's out. And he does get bullied. And he has a best friend. And one day, giant praying mantises invade the town and kill everybody. It's crazy. The main characters are boys. They are vulgar. And if you can get through all the dick jokes, it's a wonderful story about just like survival and friendship and love. It's just a great story. It's weird. It's very, very, very weird. So if you have run through all of your LGBTQ plus books and you're looking for something older or just looking for something science fiction and weird and different, Grasshopper Jungle. Number 16, sorry, 15, is the His Fair Assassin series by Robin Lefevers. In particular, book two, which is Dark Triumph. This book is basically about nuns who are assassins. They are raised to be assassins in a convent. They worship Morshin, the god of death. 
he marks people and they kill them. That's basically the overarching plot of the whole series. But book two, which features Sabella, is by far the best book because Morgan Rhodes does not shy away from the horrible abuse and psychological warfare that Sabella goes through. It's not dumbed down. She doesn't apologize for it. it there's incest, assault, sexual assault, just, just all out awful mental physical awful and she doesn't she doesn't mince any words and I appreciate that I personally think that this is YA for adults but that's my own opinion she has her new series I can't courting darkness that is also about Sibylla I think she kind of heard the fanfare and how people really like the Sibylla character and she featured her in her new series so if you have not gone back to read um the His Fair Assassin series, I highly recommend it. Like I said, it is dark. It is dark and it does not apologize for it. So good book. Number 14 is Vicious by V.E. Schwab. This came out in 2013. I found this book. Um, I am a librarian. And so I found this book on our giveaway shelf, our sell shelf. And it was V.E. Schwab. And I had already read some stuff by her. So I was like, oh, okay, well, let me just take this book. And it was old. I didn't realize how old it was. And it sat on my shelf and sat on my shelf for a long time. And I finally decided to pick it up a year ago. It was the last book I read in 2018. I was like, oh, well, I need something short. I need something quick. Let me just read this book. Wasn't expecting much. Damn, was I wrong. Oh, my God. This book is, it's, this I would kind of consider weird YA a little bit too. This is about two college boys. It's also new adult. It's not teen. It's two college boys and they both have discovered a way to make themselves superhumans or superheroes with immense strength and power. And one of them sets up the other. He doesn't set him up, but he, he frames him for murder and he goes to prison. And when he gets out of prison, it is his life goal to seek revenge on this guy who sent him to prison. And it's basically the two of them battling it out. And what I like about the world is that V.E. Schwab manages to make the reader choose who is the good guy and who's the bad guy. And you don't really know because they're both kind of anti-heroes. It does kind of pan out in a way. But yeah, she, um, V.E. Schwab has a way of creating the most interesting characters I have ever read and these two characters I can't remember the other guy's name it's Eli and I can't remember the other guy's name but those two characters are great in book two Vengeful Marcella I believe her name is she's a fantastic character Kel in A Darker Shade of Magic is great like she makes these amazing characters and that is the best part of her writing her worlds are pretty good too but her characters are great so her second book, Vengeful, came out like a year ago and people were just starting to find it because Darker Shade of Magic was really popular and they started going back and reading her old stuff. Um, I was one of them and I'm very glad that I did. It was It's a really good series if you're looking for some science fiction stuff. Number 13 is The Nevernight Chronicle by Jay Kristoff. Uh, in particular, book two, which is God's Grave. I loved God's Grave. It was my favorite book two years ago two or three years ago not quite sure um everybody knows like you guys probably know what this book is about it's basically a revenge story Mia's family was murdered in front of her and she is set out to get revenge on the people who did it that's basically what the book is about the whole series and Christoph once he's another one who writes very interesting characters he is very funny and his humor is really dark and it shines through in these books the world is the world's okay it's really the character in the story the world is just okay not just okay the world is good but I mean it's not the standout the standout are the characters and his writing style it's very sexy it's violent it's bloody it's crass it's all the good things we love and if you haven't jumped on the Nevernight train you need to all three books are published now so you can binge them now they're all great and this is new adult it is not teen
My next book is number 12. It is the Ark of the Scythe series by Neil Schusterman. This is basically imagining a world. It's an alternate universe and um, death has been eradicated. And so now basically Grim Reapers are called Scythes, but they're Grim Reapers. They walk around and they kill people to control the population. It's basically what the book is about. It's pacing is the star and the world is the star. The characters are fine, but they're not the star of the show, in my opinion. I think it's the world that Schusterman has created and the way he's paced it is fantastic. He also has a lot of themes going on and the overarching theme, arching theme, whatever, is that power breeds bad things. People who lust after power are going to cause their own demise. And that is the major theme in this book. And there are several others going on, but it's a great series. It's it's not hard to get through. It's very approachable for teens. A lot of these books on my list, it, I, I have a hard time finding a teen to give to. But for the Scythe series, it's very approachable for teens and adults enjoy it too. All three books have been published. I liked all three of them. Check them out. The next one is the Dark Gifts series by Vic James. And book one is called Gilded Cage. Nobody knows it by the Dark Gifts series. Nobody knows it at all because no one's reading it. And I don't know why no one's reading it. I think it's just the publisher isn't pushing it enough. And she's also a British author. But okay, so this book is fucking great and I need you guys to pick this book up this book is set in modern times it's set in England but it's contemporary however in this world slavery was not abolished it just evolved so it went from enslaving black people to now they enslave everyone who doesn't have magic only the people who have magic which is not a lot are wealthy are powerful and they do not have to be slaves and right and in this story they're not called slaves they're basically indentured servants so you have to serve 10 years out of your life in factories and live in a slum you can choose whenever you want to do it but it has to be 10 years in a row so you can a lot of people chose to do it when they were kids when they were teens and they could get it out of the way when they're young some people decided to do it when they were older and in this book, the family decides to do it together and they take a job in one of the homes of the upper magic people. Also in this world, it's set in England, but there is no king and queen. Because of the whole slavery thing and how it evolved, it kind of eradicated the monarchy. So it's the people with magic who are ruling England. And once again, as I said, with the Schusterman books, power and what it does to a person is the main theme of this book. But what's great about this book, and they're not long books, they're like short, they're like under 400 pages. But what's great about them is that the characters, and there are a lot of them, but all the characters are some of the most original characters I've ever read in my life. Two in particular, Cillian and Buddha. They're, one is a villain and one is kind of an anti-hero, if you will, but they're both just fascinating character studies in particular Buddha because although the people who are have magic and who are in power they still oppress women and Buddha is trying to be more important and raise herself up in the ranks and although she's making poor choices to do it she's still making choices and some of the choices she makes you're just like it's it's baffling this series is also incredibly dark. It's, for example, there is a character that he is an, an indentured servant and he has been punished because he's murdered people. And his punishment is he is a dog of one of the magic people. She puts him on a leash. He has grown hair all over his body. He barks. He's a man. He's a man dog. That is how twisted this book is. In book two, it's even more fucked up because it takes place in a prison and it's just like, what the fuck am I reading? It's crazy, but it is great. It is, I mean, it's a short book, so she has to pack everything in 
and she does a great job doing it. So if you have not heard of it, I recommend that you go and read. It's called, the book one is called Gilded Cage, book two, Tarnished City, and book three, I can't remember, because I'm looking at the cover, but I can't remember. But yes, go get that book. Now it's time for a commercial. Hey guys, are you a reader, but you are poor and you can't buy books? You can check them out for free at your local library. Your local library is a great place. You go in, you go find your book, you check it out. You can get a library card first. It is free as well. If the book is not on shelf, you go to the librarian and say, hey, this book I want is not on shelf. What can I do? They're going to put it on hold for you. They're going to get it from a different library down the street. It's going to come to you. You're going to get a phone call. You go to the library, you check it out, you bring it back to your home library, and they ship it back to the place of its origin. While you're at the library, you can check out other things too. Your library might have free Wi-Fi checkouts, computer checkouts, guitar checkouts. You can take a free class. You can learn how to bake or do a handicraft, 3D print do some robotics, and maybe join a book club. The library also has free ebooks. Go on your library's website, find the free ebook link, and you can download a free book on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, or your Kindle for free. The library is an amazing place. So if you cannot buy your book, all the books that Dawn is taking out, uh, checking out on her list here, go check them out at the library. And now back to the show. Thank you, Dawn, for that, for that announcement there. Yes, I'm a librarian. Library is a great place. You should go check it out. Because a lot of these books, you're probably like, I don't know what the hell these books are. I'm not going to go spend my money on a book that I don't know. Exactly. I agree. Go check it out at the library. Number 10 is Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Mass. Exactly. Throne of Glass. I read fluff. I consider Throne of Glass fluff but I enjoyed every book. I enjoyed the entire story. I liked most of the characters, including Selena. I thought it was a pretty good series. And yes, I kind of shit all over books. I know I'm the criticizer of books, but I thoroughly enjoyed Throne of Glass. I don't have to explain what it is about. You all already know. So I believe Queen of Shadows, if I recall, was my favorite of the series. I read The Assassin's Blade. I read Tower of Dawn. I have all the books. I don't buy books. I'm a cheap mofo. I don't buy books. I don't have the money to spend $20 on books. But the only books that I have actually gone to the store to get on the day it was published was the Throne of Glass books. I don't do that with anything else. That shows how much I really like this series. <laughs> so, number nine is All the Crooked Saints by Maggie Stiefvater, and this was published in 2017. If you are familiar with Maggie Stiefvater's writing, you know that it is quite dense and thematic and metaphorical and symbolic, all the things that I like. And her books can be tough to get through. They can be hard to understand. All the Crooked Saints is a little different than what Maggie Stiefvater usually writes, and a lot of people did not pick it up. It also has a lot of criticism because the main characters are Mexican, and Maggie Stiefvater is not. So it's not an own voices book. I don't think I heard any rumblings of racism or racial insensitivity, but people did not like that she was writing Mexican main characters. So this book is a doozy. It's a short book. It's under... It's around 400 pages. It's, it's under 400 pages, though. But it is about a family of saints. And they have the, a brother of theirs is the main saint. And people go to him with their problems. But the catch is he cannot help them. He can't say, this is your problem. This is how you fix it. They have to figure it out on their own. These people are called pilgrims. So they go to this ranch where the saints live and they just, they're there to try and figure out how to solve their own problem. However, here's the trick. They're not just regular people there trying to figure out their problems. They wear their problem 
literally on their body. So there's a priest who has the head of a coyote because he's a gross um, womanizer. He is not only a womanizer, he like touches people. He touches women inappropriately. So he has the head of a coyote. There's one character who is a giant because he has a huge ego. So he's literally has a giant body and a giant head. And then there's another character, Marisol, who I'm not going to say what her issue is because that's part of the book. You have to figure it out. But she is walking constantly under a cloud of rain. She's always being rained on. In the story, the main saint, he makes a mistake. He foils up and he falls in love with Marisol. That is a no-no. And he flees because he's gone blind and he runs off and they have to try and find him. So that's what the book is really about. It's just trying to find the main saint. And also there's two other characters that are making their, they're passing through the ranch. And then the other characters on the ranch, you learn a little bit more about them. It is very character driven. It is a slow book. It is difficult to get through because you're like, what the hell am I reading? It, this is a book that you really should read with other people or one other person so that you can stop and talk about it. I love this book because everything means something. Steve Otter is not one of those writers like Lainey Taylor who's gonna wax poetic for a whole fucking page about a flower. Everything in Steve Otter's books means something and it's all related to the plot or the character. And so that's why the book is so short because there's no BS in it. It's all it's all a part of the plot and the character development. So if you do decide to read All the Crooked Saints, I highly recommend it. It's a very good book. It is a critical read though and it is really slow and there's a lot of symbolism in it and Steve Otter does not tell you anything she makes you figure it all out on your own. So that's all the Crooked Saints. Number eight is Wolf by Wolf by Ryan Groudon. This is also one of my most underrated books on my list. No one is reading this book. I don't understand why. It was published in 2015. Sometimes I think the cover is just not helpful. I don't know. But this book is... It's a great book. Okay, so let me tell you what it's about. It's kind of historical fiction. It's historical, historical fiction adjacent. And in this world, it imagines a world where Hitler was not, where Hitler didn't die. And our main character, Yael, she didn't grow, well, she did kind of grow up in a concentration camp. She's Jewish. And she and her mother were put in a concentration camp. And while she was there, there was a scientist that were performing tests on the Jews and um, experiments and everything. And Yael was one of them. And he kept injecting her with this drug. And it eventually allowed her to become a shapeshifter. And so her power is if she sees a person, any person, she can change into that person. So, But she has to see them physically with her eyes and she can just quickly shape shift and to look like that person. And so when she becomes an adult, she is tasked with killing Hitler. So she has to enter a race. And so because there's going to be a big party at the end of the race and the winners are going to get to be in the room with Hitler. So she has to get in the race, win the race, get in the room with Hitler and kill him. This book is so tense it is a roller coaster. She's walking and she sees someone and she changes with them. And then someone catches her and she has to run. And there's this freaking race. And then there's Hitler. And it's just like, oh my God, it's so stressful, but it's so good. So if you like a really, really good thriller, highly recommend. It is a duology. Blood by Blood is book two. It is a great book. Highly recommend it. No one's freaking reading this book. Go to your library and check it out if you don't want to buy it. All right. Number seven is Bone Gap by Laura Ruby. This was published in 2015. This book is magical realism. Some people cannot get into magical realism. I don't blame them. This was my first foray into it and it was rough. Very rough. But I, I made it through. And in this story, our main character has... A facial blindness so that means that he can't recognize people by their face 
and his mother has abandoned him and his older brother. His older brother is now his father figure. And one day, a mysterious girl comes to town. Her name is Rosa. And she and his older brother start a relationship. But then Rosa mysteriously disappears. And I, I can't remember his name. I can't remember his first name. Elliot. Let's call him Elliot. He witnesses her kidnapping. But because he has facial blindness, he cannot identify her kidnapper. And they all blame him. They think he's a liar. He's a little slow. And they think he's a liar and they think he has something to do with it. So there's some resentment between him and his brother. But he's also like really sad and upset that Rosa's gone. And then the other perspective is Rosa and where she is. Now she doesn't just get normal old kidnapping. She is kidnapped by some psychopath who is keeping her in some weird fantasy world literally weird fantasy world I'm not going to really say much because it's a spoiler it's if you decide to read it it's fun to kind of just to figure out where she's at and what it has to do with other things but as I said it's magical realism so it's it's hard to suspend reality when you're reading magical realism that's the trick you have to just you just have to let it happen just let it happen and you will enjoy it it's a wonderful book so it's a standalone one of the only standalones in this whole freaking list. <laughs> Number six is Strange the Dreamer by Lainey Taylor. This was published in 2017. Um, we're all familiar with Lainey Taylor's writing. If you, I, I'm not going to describe what this book is because I don't know where to begin. Just, just know that it's an interesting book. The characters were interesting. The world was fascinating. And it's Lainey Taylor's writing to me that's the standout. There are only a couple of really good characters. Minya, Errol Fane, and his wife. I think those were the best characters. The world was, was good. Don't get me wrong. It was a good world. But I just think her, her writing style and the way she tells a story is what makes her fantastic. Um, the ending of book two, uh, I, I kind of had some issues with it. And as I said before, Lady Taylor has a tendency to drone on and on and on when she doesn't need to and it makes her books a little bit too long so but other than that it's a great series it's a duology as well and it's also I won't say it's a spoiler never mind keeping it going number five is the sea of ink and gold series or no one knows it by that you all know it as the reader by Tracy Chi this was published in 2016 this is the last underrated book on this list no one is reading this book and I don't get it. I don't know if it's the cover. I don't know. But this is one of the most inventive fantasy worlds I have read in the last 10 years. This world is fantastic. Tracy Chi is a debut fantasy writer. And I can't believe she came up with this book. It's basically a world where people don't read. It's called The Reader. They can't read. They are not literate. Except... For our main character, Sophia. She has a book, a very important book, and her whole family has been killed because of this book. So she's on the run from someone who's trying to get it. She's the only one who can read what's in the book. Everybody else just tells stories. So they're all storytellers, and that's how they pass down information. So while she's reading the book, the things are actually happening as she's reading them. There's another main character. His name is Captain Reed. He's a pirate. And while we are reading, when we are hearing his story, we're reading it. We're not hearing it from Captain Reed. We're reading the book that Sophia is reading. And it's all happening at the same time. It's a little confusing. So you do have to really pay attention and you do have to take notes. But there are some great characters, in particular, the protagonist or the antagonist, Tannen. She is one of my favorite antagonists in the last 10 years. I can tell after, after reading all three of the books that Tracy Chi knew exactly how her book was going to end. She had this entire series mapped out. And you can tell because there are things that happen in book two that reference book one. And, you're, and that's why I said you really have to pay attention and take notes because she, she references stuff in later books. And if you don't catch it in the first book, you're like, oh, 
you, you're going to miss the goodness. So it's a good thing that all three books are published. Whereas for me, I had to wait a year in between and then I would kind of forget. But you have the luxury of reading all three of them and they're amazing books. So I highly recommend you go to your local library and you check out The Reader. It's The Reader, The Speaker, and The Storyteller. Great books. Check them out. Number four is The Winner's Curse series by Marie Rutkowski. The Winner's Curse has, um, I believe everybody knows what this series is about. It was published in 2014. It was back then when there were girls in beautiful dresses and knives on the cover of every book. And it's basically about a girl who's, who leads the revolution that her people started or that her people caused. They enslaved people. They took their land, enslaved them, and then the enslaved people revolted and she helps lead the revolution. The standout in this book is Kestrel. Kestrel is the main character. And I love her because in 2014 was around the time of Katniss sensation and all the Katniss clones. So Triss and June from Legend, like all these girls who were badasses and who beat everybody and fought everybody. But Kestrel was more of a Hermione where she used her mind to defeat people. Her father, I don't know if he was a general of the army or a captain of the guard or something, but he used strategy to win wars. And so that's how she learned to think strategically. And she outwits everybody. She uses it with her mind. She's not a fighter. She doesn't pretend to be a fighter. She tells you she's not a fighter. She beats everybody, but she does it with cunning and strategery is the word I like to call strategery. That's not a real word. And just sheer brilliance of her mind. She's a great character. And she's the standout of the book. The book is written really well, but it's Kestrel that's like the standout. Okay, we're down to the top three. Number three is The Raven Cycle by um, Maggie Stiefvater. In particular, book two, Dream Thieves. This was published in 2012. Once again, Maggie Stiefvater's writing is very dense and it's very detailed and it's all important stuff. And it is really important that you pay attention and take notes because you're going to get lost in the words. And book two in particular is about Ronan. And just like um, his fair assassin, where the standout was Sibylla and the next series was about Sibylla, the next series is about Ronan because he's the standout of the series. One of the standouts. I like Gansey better, but I like Ronan. Ronan's a close second. Um, Steve Otter... Her world is great. Her characters are great. On some of the books in this, on this list, I've been saying, the standout is the world, the standout of the character. But with Steve Otter's writing, it's everything. Everything is good. And if you don't know what The Raven Cycle is about, it's pretty much about four boys who go to private school, and there's a girl who's a town. She lives in town. She does not go to school with them, but they meet her at a local pizza place. And they are all looking for Glendower, the king, and he is able to grant one wish. So they're all looking for Glendower. Very simple plot. And the characters are just very well-rounded. They all have their own backstory and issues. All the characters are great. The world is quite unique, at least to me it was. I have not read a world like this before. Um, it is tough to get through because her writing is, like I said, it's quite, it's quite symbolic. Steve Otter is that author that will not tell you anything. She does really leave it up to the reader to pick up on every little thing. It is a book that you should probably read with other people, a book discussion or a buddy read and like stop and discuss it. All right, my top two, I actually had number two was number one for a really long time. And then I was making my list. I switched it because I was like, Oh, I think I like this book better. So my number two is six of crows by Lee Bardugo. This was published in 2015. Everybody knows what six of crows is about. I don't need to say what it's about. Most people loved it. So instead I'm going to tell you a Lee Bardugo story that I have. So I read this book in June 
of 2015 as an ARC because it wasn't published until September. And in October of that year, I went to a conference. And at this conference, they have like 15 to 20 YA authors. And on the second day of the conference, you can sit with that author. So it, they have these huge banquet tables. And the authors, each author sits at a table. And anybody can just, if you sign up for the conference, you go and you sit at the table of like with like nine other people with this author for the entire day. You have breakfast with them, lunch with them. You play games at the table with them. It's, it's fucking great. They don't do it like that anymore, unfortunately. But anyway, so I get to the conference and I'm like, I am going to sit at the table with Lee Bardugo. It is happening. However, this conference is also for teens and teens don't fucking play. And when I got there, I was late and her table was full and I was pissed. And one of my teen patrons was already there. I didn't even know she was going. And she got there before me and she's like, oh, I'm sitting right next to Lee Bardugo. She was right next to Lee Bardugo. And I'm like, oh my God. And so... I'm standing there talking to her at the table. Bardugo's not there yet. They're still kind of in the back. And these two girls next to me were like, hey, 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 Marie Lou has a seat over her table. So they left and I got my shit and I got right there in that seat. So I was at the table with Lee Bardugo the entire day. And during the day, she's like asking everybody questions. There's me, one other adult, and everybody else is a bunch of teens. And she was asking everybody what their Hogwarts house was. She's making conversation. And I had just read the Harry Potter books. I had just been sorted into Slytherin, which I was really bummed about because I didn't want to be Slytherin. I wanted to be Gryffindor. And so she asked me and I was like, oh, I'm Slytherin. And she was just like, me too. I'm Slytherin too. I love being Slytherin. And then I was like, really cool. I'm a Slytherin too. So up until that point, I was just like, hated being a Slytherin. Now I like wear it with pride. But um, so that's the first part of the story. The second part of the story is we're going, she's going around the table again and she's talking to everybody and she's like, so do you guys blog or do you Facebook? Like, what do you do? And she gets to me and I say, I have a blog. And she's like, what's your blog called? And I was like, it's Bang Bang Books. And she was like, oh, you're done. You reviewed my book in June and had great things to say. It was Six of Crows. You had so many lovely things to say about my book. And I was just like, oh my freaking goodness. This woman knows my name. She read my blog. It just made my year. It was amazing. So if you ever wonder if authors are like reading your stuff when you like put it on YouTube or Instagram, if you wonder if they're actually like paying attention, they are. There are several authors that have remembered me by name because of my blog. Or because I like tagged them in something and gushed about their book. So just FYI. Um, that's all I'm really going to say about Six of Crows because it's just a great book. It's my favorite part of the series is really Kaz and Inej and their whole story. Kaz is a, one of my favorite characters in the last 10 years. He's such a damaged character and I love every second of him. The book was just just a roller coaster of emotion and I enjoyed all of it immensely. Okay, so before I go on, I do have some honorable mentions. These books I really wanted to put on my list, but for ever reason, the reasons why is because the first book was really good, but the rest of them were pieces of shit. So I just couldn't put them on my list. And they are Furyborn by Claire Legrand. I loved book one, but Kingsbane was so bad, I had to DNF it. Alchemist of Loom by Elise Kova. No one's reading this book. I I can understand why. The covers look like self-published and just not something you want to read. But if you like a book about dragons, this is for you. Because it's about dragons and a chimera. And it's a good, it's a it's a pretty good book. It's the I didn't put it on my list. I probably could have put it as number 20. But the third book. I'm so over the third book is the war and the big war and we have to win the big war with the other people. I'm so over that trope and I was really over that trope when I got to book three and I just I just DNF'd it because I didn't care anymore. So it's not that it was bad. It was just that I was over it. So technically I could have put this as number 20. So we'll just say that's number 20. All right. The Falling Kingdom series by Morgan Rhodes. I wish she had stopped at book three. 
The book was great and it has some of my favorite characters of all time. And I'm going to put a list together of my favorite uh, ships because there's a ship that I love from this series. But she was made to extend it to seven and then it just went downhill from there. I'm just so mad. I'm mad. I hated, hated the ending of the series. And I have all the books. I bought them and I'm just like, oh God, I, I, it pissed me off so bad. So it's an honorable mention. If it was only the first three books, I mean, it's fluff. It's, it's straight up fluff. There's no critical anything in these, in these books, but yeah. Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. I hated Delilah. Was that her name? Delilah Bard. Oh God. That woman was a psychopath. I don't understand why everybody loves her. I fucking hated that character. And it made me hate the book. And I love Kel and his jacket and his eye. And I just hated her. And I I liked the twins and and I liked Reese and but I couldn't. I couldn't with Lila and she killed she ruined the book for me. So there's that. And the last honorable mention is Ember in the Ashes by Saba Tahir. And this hurts my feelings because I loved the Ember in the Ashes book one. When Saba, I actually, I read this as an arc, loved it, blogged about it, raved about it. When um, Saba was at ALA, she was doing a signing, a massive signing. I made sure that I was red tay. I was second in line in her line. And the only person that was in front of me was my coworker, Sarah, who loved the book more than me. I got to get a lunch with her. Me and Elise got a lunch with her with only like 10 other people. We sat across from her and like, oh my God, it was fucking great. How I got that, I don't know. Um, she remembered me at a different conference. Like she was sitting on a panel. No, she wasn't. She was sitting up higher, up up farther up and I'm sitting behind her and she turns around and she waves at me and wisp and like mouth hi Dawn and I'm like oh my god she knows my name like like once again authors remember us you guys so just keep that in mind and so you know I'm like oh my god I love her and then book two happened and Laia Leia whatever the hell her name is she is the worst character I've ever read in my life I forgave her in book one, but in book two, that girl made so many fucking mistakes. I just couldn't anymore. And what she did to Elias and then book three happened and it pisses me off because there are two other characters in that book that are my favorite characters. I love Helene. I love her. And I'm so happy that the third book was about her. And if the fourth book comes out, I might read it, and if I do, I'm just reading the Helene chapters. I could give a shit about Leia and Elias. So, yeah, it just made me so mad that the following books were just so bad that I couldn't put Ember and the Ashes on my list, unfortunately. But here we go with the number one book of the decade. This was Dawn's favorite book of the decade. If you have similar taste in books with me, you probably have already read this book. I see this book on many people's bookshelves when I watch booktube. A lot of people have read it. Most people have loved it. I loved it too. And it is The Kiss of Deception by Mary E. Pearson. Woohoo! It was published in 2014. So as I said many a times, I am a librarian and we get a box of arcs from our distributor. And they used to sit on the back shelf in the staff lounge. And I would go back there and pick through the books and decide which book I want. And I read the back of the book and it was just like, oh, princess, she ran away. I was like, oh, that's all about me. I love princesses who run away. And I just picked it up on a whim. It didn't have a cover on it. It did have a map in it. It was just some rando book. And I'm reading it and I'm loving it. And I get to that part. And if you've read the book, you know that part. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm either an awful reader or Mary A. Pearson has pulled the okie doke on me. So I spend like 20 minutes going back and trying to figure out if I missed something. Turns out I didn't. She pulled the okie doke and it was fucking great. And I'm reading the book. I'm crying during the graveyard scene and I'm reading and reading and I'm trying to figure out where this book is set and what year it is. I, oft, I do that with every book because it helps me visualize if I know where the setting is. If it's in like an Italian setting, then I know that there are canals and beautiful buildings. If it's in an Asian or an Asian country or if it's set in the in like 
you know, pre pre-technology or if it's in the future I just need to know where the book is set so that I can picture it in my head and I wasn't getting a clear picture of the time or the place and it was bothering me so it made me pay attention to where the book is set no I have an arc I don't have a map so I don't have anything to like give me any clues and I'm reading it and I'm reading it and I'm like I think I kind of know this sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. And I had Elise read it and my friend Sarah, who got in line in front of me for Subba to hear. And she's reading it and we would get together at lunchtime and like compare notes and like talk about it. And so it got to us so much so that we Skyped Mary. I tweeted her. I was like, hey, do you mind Skyping with me and my coworkers? Because we have some questions. And she was nice enough to Skype us. And we asked her questions and she was like, yeah, you guys are on the right track. And we were like, yes. And she gave us some more clues. And yeah, so basically what I'm saying is that the world is the standout in this book. I do like Leah. I like the Komazar, who was the villain. I thought he was a pretty good villain. I liked Caden and uh, Rafe. But the, her world is the standout. And how she managed to weave in mythology and old diaries and old characters and just have this whole story come together was just beautifully done it is a wonderful story like I said the characters are pretty good um her new series there's an offshoot of this world and once again those characters are very good her world is very good in this too um I recommend reading the little novella it's about Morgan, the origin story. It's just all great. And so if you are new to YA and you're new to fantasy and you are looking for a recommendation of an older fantasy that is great, that's just a great book, Kiss of Deception, pick it up. It is great. Okay, so that is my complete list. It wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. Um, those are 19 of my favorite fantasy books for the last 10 years. If you agree or disagree, let me know. I would love to hear from you. I also would love to hear what your favorite books of the decades are because maybe, maybe I didn't read it and, you know, I might need to pick it up for the next decade. But thank you for joining me for today's podcast and I will catch you next time.